Welcome back, everyone. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Arthur Staple coming to you. Mark Parrish, hopefully joining on soon enough. Um, we've got some more questions from uh, from our Twitter followers who are very faithful and very vocal, especially in light of what's gone on in the last couple of days. Uh, we did an episode leading into Tuesday night's game uh, in Brooklyn against Montreal. Uh, a game the Islanders needed to have, uh, and they didn't even have much of an effort in that first period. It was 3 nothing, barely uh, 12 or 13 minutes in. 6-2 final, lost to the Canadians, a team that's not going to be in the playoffs. Uh, everyone was pretty disgusted afterwards. Um, and uh, a scary injury on top of it, another skate cut, uh, Arturi Lekkanen. His skate kicking up and catching Johnny Boychuk on his eye, mercifully uh, cut his eyelid, didn't didn't touch his eyeball. Uh, 90 stitches, as Lou Lamarillo informed everybody on Wednesday, which uh, sounds like a crazy amount for anywhere on your body, much less on your eyelid in the surrounding area. But, uh, but JB sounds like he's going to be okay. Not going to be playing for a little while because that eye is basically stitched and swollen shut. So uh, last night in Ottawa, um, Noah Dobson got in on his right side. Um, so we'll see, you know, game we're recording before this, before the game goes underway. And it is Ottawa, a team that's well out of the playoffs. So we'll see if Barry Trotz uh, trusts Noah Dobson to play uh, a, a set, you know, a, kind of an, an equal amount of minutes to the other five defensemen now playing on his right side against a, a bit of a weaker opponent because um, now they're going to need Noah Dobson uh, in there for the foreseeable future. Lou Lamoureux also said Casey Zizika sounds like he's at least a couple weeks away, so the forward group is still uh, kind of a you know a, an incomplete to a work in progress that needs to come through and produce. Otto Koivula got back in last night. Leo Komarov, who had a really rough one against Montreal, sits out, um, and uh, and yeah, well, you know you'll all know the result by the time you listen to this. And if it's another loss, I imagine uh, the the torches will start to be lit. And the pitchforks will come out. It's uh, it, it will have been a very precipitous fall. They were sitting as of uh, as of Thursday afternoon, still sitting in a playoff spot, three points up on Carolina, who, on whom they have a game in hand. Um, Carolina has back to back three and four, I think, uh, with Philly last night, and they come to the island on Saturday afternoon, come to Brooklyn on Saturday afternoon, and then Pittsburgh. Um, so a difficult schedule for Carolina. The Rangers are struggling a bit. Columbus handed away. Uh, an extra point, losing an overtime in Calgary on Wednesday night. So the opportunity is still there for the Islanders, and they really have to grab it. There's not much else to say about that right now. So let's get to some questions from uh, from our Twitter followers. Um, the ever-faithful Doc Ad uh, has a long one. He says, let me preface this by saying Barry is the greatest reason the Islanders are respectable again, and I love him, but is it fair to criticize the utilization of our D? They're worn down and sheltering Dobson and Johnny Boychuk are partially to blame. I get he doesn't choose personnel, but he just choose time on ice. Um, you know, blame is a strong word. I think, um, you know, in conversations you have with people around the league, you know, when they see the Islanders, even when they were at their, their most successful and fully healthy, with that means with Pellick, with Sezikis, with Cal Clutterbuck, with their, you know, their lines and their D the way they wanted, it's not a team that's going to that's gonna outskill anybody. And, they, and I think Barry Trotz identified that early on last year and said the only way we're going to win is to be a better defensive team and to be stingy and to be structured um, and to out you know to just grind out wins and points. He didn't care if it was overtime, shootout, just get the points. And that was a good strategy for the regular season. Everybody bought in. Playoffs, it was a good strategy against a Pittsburgh team that uh, that didn't look like it, it had much stomach for, for that kind of battle. 
And then they were outworked uh, in a couple games by Carolina, got uh, some unfortunate uh, bounces and, and lack of offense, and there you go. But still, I think a second-round finish last year was impressive. When they doubled down on that same group this year, when Lou re-signed Lee, re-signed Eberle, re-signed Brock Nelson, didn't bring in a lot of new blood, except in goal, um, I think it was uh, maybe they fell in love a little bit too much with the formula that won uh, last year, and then having a, a, not enough depth in terms of, you know, they do have bodies, but they don't have skilled guys to replace, you know, the, their younger guys, the guys who've gotten a small taste, Koivula, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, they don't feel are ready. Um, the Pelic injury was a killer because they were very healthy on D last year, and having it be a lefty and having Dobson be a righty and kind of playing 5D, yes, they did wear down, and I think... Um, you know, Barry Trotz was blessed in his uh, long coaching career with guys like Shea Weber, Seth Jones, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Suter. You know, he, he had some workhorses back in Nashville. And even in Washington, John Carlson is a guy who can carry a big load. He had Mike Green at the start of his tenure there, a guy who used to play a ton of minutes. Uh, Dmitry Orlov is a guy who's a little bit younger, but but I think in their cup year a couple of years ago really stepped to the fore and played some big minutes. So. He has guys, he's had guys in the past he could rely on on D, and I think he felt like Ryan Pollock could be that kind of guy, that Nick Letty could be that kind of guy when, when Pellick went out. And uh, and I think they, they did okay for a little while, but uh, but not in the long run. And I don't think, no, if that's, that's misidentifying who you have, it's just this is the way we have to do it, and we won't be successful otherwise. There's just not a lot of options. I don't, I, you know... I, I think if you could catch Barry in a candid moment and he's not wouldn't be him taking shots at, at his boss, he would just say, What were our options? You know, I think trusting Noah Dobson maybe was was more of the right move. Um, I kind of felt like early in the year when they were fully healthy, maybe a rotation with him and Boychuk was was something that could have been considered. Boychuk was playing well then though, and I think, you know, maybe Barry's penchant for veterans over over young guys took pre- took a little bit of a hold there. Um so uh, that that was a tough one, and uh, and I think it's starting to to come back a little bit to bite them now because Dobson really is their you know he's their number seven guy. Uh, Thomas Hickey came up under emergency conditions yesterday to Ottawa, uh, which indicated that someone else in that D was banged up enough to need another defenseman. And uh, you know emergency conditions mean you can only play unless someone's out, uh, and they don't have enough. So we'll see what happens next week when they go on a week-long road trip to Western Canada and Pittsburgh, whether they need to bring another defenseman along. And, and Hickey, you know, has, has had a really rough go this year, personally and professionally. Um, I think a uh, story that I wrote in talking to him uh, from a couple of weeks ago posted earlier this week about his brother uh, battling brain cancer. And, um, you know, it's been uh, going downhill a bit the last uh, – couple of months so thomas has been taking a lot of trips home to calgary as it happens the Andos will be in calgary next week so that might be um even if even if he doesn't play it might be the sort of gesture that the islanders would try to do since they've given thomas the time to go home um maybe to keep bring him along on a trip where he can already stop off at home uh, as part of being with the team would be a nice a nice thing to do even at this time of year when you you're not really concerned necessarily with doing nice things off the ice, but, uh, but that is the way this organization has conducted itself for a long time. Um, so if he got in last night, that means that they're even more banged up on D. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, the, the wearing down of guys like Pollock and Letty, um, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a problem and I don't, I don't really know what the solution would have been. Uh, you know, Boychuk's minutes have been pretty sheltered before his injury. 
Um, so, you know, I don't know, you know, and he's had a pretty rough couple of months. So it's, uh, it's hard to pin blame, uh, on the coach or on the GM or whoever on the players. I think it's just collectively, this is the, you know, Barry identified the way that this team needed to be successful and it's with 20 guys pulling on the rope every night and they've barely had 20 healthy guys every night, uh, since about December. So, um, it's definitely a struggle. So, uh, thanks for the question, Doc. Um, Matt Reds sends in one. He says, do you think poor officiating is leading to players selling every trip and slash and that has anything to do with the increase in skate cuts? Uh, you know, he feels like the leg that caught Boychuk from Arturi Lekkonen was, was thrown up pretty theatrically. It was uh, – Lekkonen's skate did kick up pretty high. I don't know if that was because he got caught off guard – uh, that he tripped over Semyon Varlamov's pad right in the middle, right in front of the ice. You know, I'm not a professional athlete. It's hard for me to say. I'd be I'd be flailing all over the place if I was on the ice and falling down. So, uh, you know, but they are professionals, and you would think that they would try to keep control of their skates, uh, especially when they're falling down, knowing that there's guys right nearby, uh, that there's exposed skin nearby. But I don't think so. You know, I, I think if you look at the other ones that happened – the one uh, with Cal Clutterbuck and Patrice Bergeron in Boston back in December, that was just, you know, Clutterbuck throwing a hit. Skates did not come up that high. Uh, it was on the wrist. Clutterbuck's wrist was was kind of below the, the edge of the dasher there in front of the bench. You know, purely rotten luck. And Sezikis, uh, you know, collides with Ivan Provorov and they fall down. And as Lou said on Wednesday, he's like, I, you know, he's like, I've watched that clip. I still don't know how it happened. And, and you know, it, it, to get it in, slice... Casey's hockey pants and then get it in un, you know just above the top of the shin pad and below the pants and below the the you know the the hockey girdle that keeps things up um you wonder you know if guys could wear the skate resistant uh socks or skate resistant wrist guards or whatever like they move around you know you you put them in a certain place before the game starts and they don't always stay there and it's not always a priority to keep them there for the players they're not going to stop the action so they can readjust their their hockey socks it's um it's a it's a fast violent sport and uh and equipment gets moved around to places you don't want it to be so i think this stuff you know to have it happen once in a season to one player is a lot and to have it happen three times three different players um, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a problem. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, as Cal Clutterbuck has said, you know, in, since he's been back talking about whether it's Zizekas' injury or now Boychuk's, he's like, I, I don't know what the answer is. And I wonder if the competition committee, uh, with the league, which involves players and executives can come up with an answer. Um, it, it's hard to say. It's just been rotten luck and, and thank goodness that all three of those guys are going to be okay. Uh, Richard Sika asked, speaking of Sezikis, is there a more important player on this team than Sezikis? Seems like they're not just the same. They're just not the same without him. Uh, well, as I wrote in a story that posted earlier today, uh, this two, six and two funk that they've been in started the game after Sezikis left with that injury. Um, and now it's going to be a little bit longer than the three to four weeks that they initially, uh, foresaw him being out, which hurts because then you're down to maybe 10 games left when he gets back and, um, you know, if they're on a two six and two pace over the next six or seven games, then they're looking they're going to be looking up at some teams rather than being in solid, you know, sort of above the cut line. Um, but they were six and two, and his two earlier stints, he missed uh, six games early in the year with uh, with an ankle sprain that he suffered in the last preseason game. Then he missed a couple more games in January, and they made it through okay. So I think they can succeed without him. Um, uh, but they have been missing him 
badly. And I think, you know, I think as far as the personnel decisions went uh, last night in Ottawa, taking Komarov out of the lineup, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it it's a lot of coaches. And I've been covering this team for almost a decade now and through some bad seasons. And uh, there were always a lot of calls to get certain guys out of the lineup. Why is this guy playing? Why is that guy playing? Um, uh, you know, and I think coaches don't make these decisions lightly when they start training camp or when the guy gets acquired or signed or comes up um, and shows that he's a professional, uh, especially a veteran guy. Coaches get very attached because they want those guys to show the way for some of the other guys that are maybe a little bit iffy on some of those details. And Leo is a guy who uh, Barry likes him despite the flaws. And, uh, you know, and I think his numbers were not terrible uh, over the last couple of months up until Tuesday night. But uh, but he is limited in what he can do, and I think putting him on that second line with Bovillier Nelson, as uh, as Barry did a couple of nights, uh, even after Pajot was acquired, didn't seem like the right move. I think there was probably better options in terms of skating, in terms of you know meshing well with your line mates. Um, it's uh, it's difficult. It's difficult to find uh, a full lineup with the cast of extras, especially their wingers that they have. I was a little bit surprised that Andrew Ladd didn't get in. Last night, I would imagine he's probably next up if they feel like they need a little bit of a boost. Uh, Lou Lamarillo did say on Wednesday that there are no regular recalls coming. They have two left. You can you have four after the trade deadline. They use two, one on Ladd, one on Koivula. Uh, like I said, Hickey was up on an emergency basis. So uh, only two left. They've still got Kiefer Bellows down in Bridgeport. They've still got Oliver Wallstrom if they wanted somebody to come up and kind of provide a boost. Um, so they're kind of holding off on those. There's there's still 16 games left, uh, so maybe you, you have to keep at least one in the chamber just in case you want that you want that someone to come up and, and give you a little bit of a charge. And certainly seems like Bellows, when he's been in the lineup, even if he's been a little bit, uh, you know, his game away from the puck hasn't been great. Um, he, he does generate offense and he does try to get pucks to the net and he does kind of have a single-minded purpose when he's in the offensive zone. And I, I think the Islanders' depth wingers could really use that because uh, because they're not getting anything. The last goal they got from a bottom six winger was Matt Martin's goal on that game in, on February 11th against Philly, the game that Casey Zizekas went out. So it's been 10 games. It's a long time. Uh you know, even really, you look at the goals from their wingers. They've gotten five from Jordan Eberle in those ten games. Three of those came in the same game against Detroit. Anders Lee has two, both in the same game against San Jose. Um, Josh Bailey has an empty netter. Leo Komarov has an empty netter. Anthony Bovillier has one. Um, th- this is not the time of year you can afford to have everybody go into a funk, and uh, it's uh, it's difficult. Before we get to some more questions, let's hear from DraftKings. All-star breaks are in the past, and teams have their sights set on securing their place in the playoff race. Over in college hoops, teams are jockeying for tournament seating. So much action, so little time. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you right in the middle of all the action. The XFL is back to scratch everyone's itch for football. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app to see what special promotions they're offering on the most extreme league in the U.S. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. 
Don't forget, enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we're back with uh, some more questions. NYLsFan13 asks, who do you target in UFA trade as a top six winger? Uh, the second part of NYLsFan's question is, will Josh Hosang ever play as an Islander? I can quite definitively say no to that one. <laughs> we haven't even really talked about Josh since he was loaned out to San Antonio of the AHL, which is the Blues affiliate. Um, and that happened last week, early last week. Uh, we've certainly talked a lot about Josh. We had uh, the interview that I did with Josh from a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't, th- you know, I've been asked. I don't think that was the catalyst for him uh, being sent out. Uh, I know that Lou probably heard it, but uh, I don't think he was caught off guard by it. I have to imagine there was some other incident that that sparked their desire to have him be away from the from Bridgeport. Um, and I don't think he's coming back. You know, he'll still be uh, his rights will still be retained by the Islanders uh, in the off season. There is a process by which teams do loan out players that are still under their control to other AHL teams that have slots for them. Uh, usually, see it with goalies. You don't usually see it with with forwards that you want to try to develop. That also tells me that once the season is over, the Islanders uh, may not qualify Josh, uh, and he'll be a free agent, free to go wherever he wants. I have to imagine that he'll still be uh, in pro hockey in North America. I, you know, he's he's still young. I would imagine a team will take a chance on him for a, a, a small two way deal as a, as a young guy. Um, but uh, but I think his Islanders days are over. So as to who I would target, uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. I think there were some questions along those same lines, and I think they've only become more urgent as we've seen their their wingers fail to produce. Um, you know, I think a guy like Mike Hoffman um, would be intriguing, to say the least, uh, as a guy who maybe is not the most defensively responsible but uh, but can score goals. And I, and I think, you know, going into this offseason, it's going to be uh, – Ideologically, you, you, you're going to find out whether Lou and Barry feel like the way that the Islanders played last year and the way that they feel they need to play this year is the way that they're going to feel like they need to, they, they're going to have success for the long term. I don't think that's the case. It's not based on any conversations, but I think you just look at Barry's track record when he was in Washington for four years, obviously a team that's been loaded with talent for a long time, has the greatest goal scorer probably who's ever played the game. He didn't play a very safe, conservative style with that group. You know, I think he encouraged them to be more defensive-minded and and preach defense leads to offense. So you, you stay in the right position in the defensive zone. You forecheck efficiently, and that can lead to chances. But he wasn't limiting what Alex Ovechkin could do. He wasn't limiting what Nick Backstrom could do. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov, the list goes on. Um, they had a lot of talent, and I think he gave them some free reign. I think the Islanders obviously don't have that same talent. So you have to harness it in a different way. You have to you have to beat the underdog drum. You have to say we're going to outwork teams. Um, it's not that doesn't mean the Caps didn't do that, but I don't think it was first and foremost on their minds. So if they could get a, some sort of infusion of talent, and I think the the hope is that one of the guys from Bellows, if he's not moved uh, in some sort of deal over the summer, since he was probably shopped around uh, before the deadline, uh, Wallstrom, who's 
wasn't going anywhere and probably isn't until they see what they have in him. Even Simon Holmstrom, who's, who's come on lately and had an okay season his first pro year, if one of those guys who's a winger can step forward and grab a spot uh, in that top 12, that would help because I think as we said uh, last week, Pajot, the addition of Pajot means that th- one of those guys coming up to play in the third line, they're playing with a guy who can who can play and produce. Um, Barzell, Nelson, Pajot, Sezikis. No, nobody's going to get a center that doesn't have skill and speed. So, um, but failing that, uh, and even with that, I think maybe there is a need for for an upgrade. Mike Hoffman is is probably a guy that that comes right to mind. Uh, you know, he's thirty. He's on the other side of thirty right now. Will he get a Jeff Skinner type deal? I, you know, seven years or eight million per. Maybe he wants it, but I don't think he'll get it. Um, you know, he's been on a lot of losing teams the last few years and his Florida team doesn't look like they're going to make it this year. So, um, he'd be a guy I would look at on a short term deal, um, for decent money. The Islanders, uh, even with the announced salary cap coming in between 84 and 88 million for next year, as Gary Bettman announced from the GM meetings this week, uh, the Islanders already have 70 million in salary cap commitments right now. And that's with only one goalie signed for next year. Uh, that's with, Matthew Barzal, Devontae's, Ryan Pollock needing new contracts. Um, so there's there's going to be have, there's going to have to be some movement, some things shuffled around. Um, but if there is if they can create space to add another top six winger, I think a guy like Mike Hoffman, a shoot first guy who's got you know a guy with no conscience about blasting it from everywhere with a great shot. Um, I think that's the kind of guy that you you want to have in your lineup. So there's probably some other guys that I'm not getting to, but. Uh, he's probably the guy that that leaps to mind right now. Mike Minucci has a question about who's the Islanders' real X factor to help jolt this team and ultimately get them in the playoffs. Uh, Mike's pick is Anthony Beauvillier. If he doesn't produce, I'm not sure the Islanders make it in. Um, Bo's a good choice. You know, I think he's a guy who who still provides something even when he's not scoring. He's, uh, you know, he's matured into a, a guy who plays a pretty decent two-way game. He's He's been off his game for a while now, and I think – he needs to get it back, but I don't know if that if it's required for him to score goals. For my money, it's Anders Lee. He's been able to to score a few goals lately, but he's at 19 right now. I don't even think he's on pace to match the 28 he had last year. Um, and really, the the biggest deficiency is is on the power play. He's not the same power play player. He doesn't have the same guys around him. But uh, but we haven't seen the same his same ability to tip pucks. To, to find pucks at his feet and jam them in, um, to make those in-tight plays that he that he became known for the first few years he was here. Um, and losing that threat in front of the net, I think, allows opposing penalty kills to spread out a little bit more, to challenge Matthew Barzal on the wall, to challenge Devon Taves at the top. Uh, now that J.G. Pajot's in the bumper spot, they can, they can converge on him. So uh, the Islanders' power play has not been good now for two years running. Uh, they need it to be good to be able to produce offense because it's a way to get there. They've been getting more power play chances the last couple weeks and not producing. So um, I think Anders Lee might be your key guy uh, to step up his production, and he's done it before. Uh, there's not a lot of time left, but uh, I think they could really need him. They could really use him rather to uh, to uh, boost their offense and and boost his confidence too, because uh, we're used to seeing him score so much from that office of his right in front. Uh, Glenn Arfjord asks, uh, if the, if the Islanders miss the playoffs this season, will, will they do a rehauling? I think Glenn is not from 
our side of the Atlantic, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on the on the Twitter question. Uh, <clears throat> will they overhaul the roster in the summer? Um, they can't. That's the simple question. They have too many commitments, too many long-term commitments that just started. Um, you know, Nelson, Lee, Eberly, Varlamov, all just finishing the first year of multi-year deals. Cal Clutterbuck still has a year or two left, two years left. Uh, Johnny Boychuk has two years left. Nick Letty has two years left. Overhaul is not in the in in the offing for this group. It just isn't. Um, they're going to either have to get some cheap help among their young guys uh, to shore up the wings, or they're going to have to do some serious uh, you know piece moving. It's going to be very uh, a big chess match for Lou Lamarillo this summer. Um, whether it means moving out a, a regular on D like Nick Letty, like we discussed last week, to create some cap space, somehow trying to find a taker for Andrew Ladd, the the, the benefit of the the cap going up means the floor goes up. So there might be some some teams with very few commitments next year who need to get to that floor. So maybe someone takes Andrew Ladd. They don't have a ton of things to sweeten that trade to make someone take the last three years of Andrew Ladd's deal. But but you have to get creative this time of year. Um, so there's, uh, you know, overhaul is is uh, is a major word. I think um, I think they're going to have to do some serious work if they miss the playoffs and they miss the playoffs and don't get into the top three in the lottery. And that pick goes to uh, goes to Ottawa and it's you know in the twelve to fifteen range. That's going to sting. Uh, missing the first two picks that are mid round picks in both those rounds and a good draft. Um, that's gonna that's gonna cause some problems. So. Um, <clears throat> we'll see. You don't even want to think about that possibility right now. They still have a lot of a lot of runway left to make this make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise, even though it doesn't seem like that's uh, that's possible. Uh, my old friend Ian Katarina, who uh, asked some good questions, is asking: When does the KHL season end? And when is the first day the Islanders can sign Ilya Sorokin? Um, well, he just pitched back to back shutouts in the first two games of uh, CSKA's playoff run. They are the top seeded team in the entire tournament. Um, so he also has had an assist in each of those two games just for good measure. So they're not uh, wrapping up anytime soon. He's going for another Gagarin cup. He won one last year. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, there's 16 playoff teams over there. It's the same as in the States in the NHL. So it could be a little while. We're, we're looking at several weeks until, until they're done. Um, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, I, my gut feeling tells me that he's going to, Sign a contract, a, a one-year deal before the end of this league year, which is which just leads up to July one, and then uh, after July one, he's eligible for a restricted free agent deal, which the Islanders can sign to whatever. So I'm sure that there will be some sort of agreement that uh, there'll be a new deal coming that won't be entry-level money for him, and um, they'll have a, a second goalie going for next season and beyond. And we'll see if uh, Ilya Sorokin is the real deal after all these years of of waiting. Um, well, I think we've covered some good ground here. I'm um, sorry that Mark couldn't make it this week. Um, I tried trying my best as always to carry the show solo, but, uh, we'll have him back uh, for our show next week. Uh, when we'll be analyzing the games from the end of this week, a big one coming up, uh, on Saturday against Carolina, I'll be out West. The Islanders uh, will be there too in Western Canada, Vancouver, on Tuesday, back to back Calgary and Edmonton Thursday and Friday, and then Pittsburgh on Sunday. All on the road, all without cases Zekas, it seems. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see where the Islanders stand as they get into yet another big week. So many, so few games left. Um, so we'll see. 
Thanks as always for for listening in, and uh, we'll catch you again next week. Appreciate it. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.